Welcome back to The Benefit is Love. I'm Scott Tharler, an author, freelance writer, podcaster, and certified up-level coach. And I'm Kenya K. Stevens, a relationship expert, love coach, best-selling author, wife, and proud mother of three. My husband of 27 years, Carl, and I co-founded the Progressive Love Academy way back in 2005. Since then, we've co-authored two popular books and taught thousands of clients how to express themselves openly and authentically, where the purpose is growth and the benefit is love. If you're ready to look with fresh eyes at how you create your life, you're in the right place. Kenya, it's so good to see you again. We missed a couple of weeks around the holidays, but here we are on the other side in 2023, and we're doing the last episode of this podcast first season. Can you believe it? Yes, season one is in the can, baby. That's how we roll. We know how to do that. And 2023, welcome in. We're so excited and proud to be here. And now that we've arrived at the fifth and final tenet, it's actually one we've mentioned before here. It is, I create my life. And it's especially appropriate around this time of year as folks are thinking about what they want for the new year that just started a couple of weeks ago. But obviously it's applicable year round. It is applicable year round. I feel sorry for people doing New Year's resolutions because <laughs> the sciences we've taught at Progressive Love Academy over the past 20 years show you that New Year's is in September. And <laughs> by the time the winter comes, your mind is too frozen to put anything new in. So uh, yeah, I Create My Life really does umbrella the rest of the Progressive Love tenants. You know, we've talked about no victims, no villains, no shame, no blame, no cop-outs, no dropouts. The purpose is growth. The benefit is love. Definitely. For me, this really sums up all the tenants, or I guess to put it another way, the other tenants build up and add depth to this fifth one. You know, we could have started off by saying, I create my life, and then added the other ones to sort of reinforce it. But this way, when we say, I create my life with all that in mind, it's almost like a, an exclamation point at the end of a sentence. Or it's an equal sign, like all of those four equals, I create my life. <laughs> Definitely. I've got a very math-oriented mind, so that I think the equation makes even more sense. I think one of the common reactions, when people hear, I create my life, the first thing people want to do is conjure up these negative experiences and ask, well, why on earth would I have created this particular thing? But then since we don't shame or blame and can't be victims or villains, that question kind of loses some of its charge. It does. The most important thing to realize here is that whole premise, I create my life, is really not about the ego. And it's definitely not about the animal. It's about your higher self. And, you know, energy is being neither created nor destroyed, your spirit what you're here to do, what you're here to accomplish, the purpose of life, you understand? And that's why it feels like a big thing. But it's not when you really understand that, yes, the purpose of life is growth. I'm here to grow and learn. And these experiences are all ones that I've chosen and they are all forwarding my spiritual growth. And as much as we talked about victims and villains, I think deep down, people still have this really hardcore belief that, they kind of doubt their own power. Like they couldn't possibly will people in situations into existence. They couldn't possibly make these things happen. Of all the tenets, I think people get this one academically pretty quick, but then it takes more time and experience and evidence for them to really believe it and lean into it. It's funny you mentioned academia because I was like, where do we learn that we're not the power center of our life? And I'm like, the academic world, they taught us that in school. Everything is outside of you. It's happening to you. It's sort of like rando land. Academics is this, like learning how to situate yourself and the planet in the way that you want to. That's the most academic thing we could actually go about learning and doing. So yes, let's get into it. I create my life. What about it, Scott? Well, you know, for some folks, especially particular times in their lives or under specific circumstances, it may be difficult to accept or appreciate how or why they create their lives, but after a short break, we'll be joined by a very special guest, Kenya's daughter, Sanu, for an open discussion about this tenant. And I'm very excited about this. And if you're ready, we will be right back after the short break. So we're joined today by Sanu Stevens. Welcome to the show. 
Hi, thanks for having me. So Sanu, thanks so much for being on the show. We've met virtually and worked together professionally. And folks who are consistent listeners will recognize your name because we actually mentioned you in the credits at the end of the podcast, because you do so much great work behind the scenes for Progressive Love Academy to make this all work. So anyway, it's great now to be able to dig into the content and actually work together in this way. But before we do, let's get into your background a little so that our audience gets to learn a little bit about you. So what can you tell us about where you're at in life and what you've done so far? Well, as you know, my name is Sanu Stevens. I'm the daughter of Kenny K. Stevens. I'm also a polyamory coach. I have been for about half a decade. I received multiple certifications from Progressive Love Academy, and I've been doing this now in my mother's footsteps, if you will, coaching and supporting individuals who are transitioning into polyamory as a coach. And like you said, I also do back-end work for Progressive Love Academy. So you could say I'm very immersed in my parents' work, the family business. It seems like it. Can you tell us like how and when you were introduced to the concepts? Yeah, my parents were never shy about their lifestyle, their beliefs, their spirituality. They just kind of did it. It was very normal for us to see them doing rituals or meditating, introducing new partners into the fold. So I think by just living authentically, and we were just kind of taught, you know, who they were and what they believed. And I think that we always had the choice to embrace what they believe, embrace their lifestyle or not embrace it. We always had the choice to ask questions if we were interested. And if we weren't, we were never forced to be interested. We were never forced to accept who they were, right? Their motto has always just been to be authentic. So I think it was a gradual process of me just growing up, my brain developing, and then, yeah, me asking more questions. Their parenting style was presenting themselves as a beacon of support if needed. We prefer that you come to us. And so the option was always there. And eventually, when I started dating, when I started getting into life, I would start coming to them and asking them questions about relationships and whatnot. So I think that's where most of it happened is when I started dating and I was allowed to explore pretty young. That's great. And you basically just segued us right in. Today, we're specifically going to be talking about relationships. And I love the idea of immersion. You know, my kids have started to come to me and say, Daddy, I have a vent and we'll go through it. And I, I love the idea of this just being natural. This is just how things are and kids feeling like they can come to their parents. When you hear, I create my life, what does that mean to you? specifically around dating and relationships? I do consider myself a scientist, meaning that I really appreciate the logical meaning behind things before I appreciate the abstract meaning behind things. So when I hear I create my life, I hear I have an understanding of how my brain works. I have an understanding of how significant my experiences in the past are to my experiences in the present. And being fully understanding of that and taking full responsibility for what that means about how you're going to show up in the world what your experiences mean, what your proclivities mean, what your patterns mean, what your conditionings mean about how you're going to show up in the world. And that you also have full control over if you need to make some shifts and changes in yourself, that you also have neuroplasticity, that you also have the ability to do that, right? It's an understanding. It's saying that in my relationships, and really regardless if I'm dating or not, the objective should always be to be improving myself. The objective should always be to be looking at my outcomes in life and saying, is this what I'm working towards? Is this what I want? You know, analyzing, do I have what I need? Am I achieving what I want to achieve? Yes or no? Let me make necessary changes. And always being on that path. Yeah, I like that. I think for me, people have a few different reasons of getting into dating. Like I'm not looking for the one. I'm not just looking for fun. Like I'm literally looking to learn about myself. And so I just look at dating as a tool in that way. And I think if you look at life as a, a journey like that, and that you do have the ability to create your own life, then I think that kind of helps. Yeah, that's a good point too, Scott. I always forget my cognitive bias. I really do think about relationships in a very specific way. And I think it may be a little bit different. I do look at life at this point as, again, a metric for me, a reflection the quality of my relationships are a metric of where I'm at. They're a lesson. They're my teacher. They're really here to show me what work I've done and what work I've not done. And I think that would be a little bit different from, especially how we're taught to look at relationships, which is um, 
it's funny, I, even off the top of my head, it's hard to think about like, what is the conventional way of looking at relationships? What is there besides just growth? What is there besides the lessons that we learn from our partners? But I'm sure we look at them more as opportunities, as something that's supposed to be serving us, and it does in a certain capacity. But for me, it always comes back to me. It's never really about the other person in terms of, of course, the creating my life. Yeah. And this reminds me of, I remember being in Spanish class in high school and there were some kids who were from Spain. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's not very fair. But what's interesting is they didn't always do the best because they're so used to speaking the language that they didn't look at it the way we did, you know, conjugate this verb this way. Like it was so natural to them that it was sort of tougher for them to go in and deconstruct it. So maybe it's like that for you. Like this is the language you've grown up in around your house. And so the language of the Progressive Love Academy tenets is just a natural thing. And so this is just how it is. Yeah, I have to always remind myself because people remind me all the time, but I forget all the time that, yeah, this is something that I'm immersed in. And this is how I learn the world looks, right? But when partners come in, when I introduce partners into my community, into my family, they're like, whoa, like you're on a whole different wavelength. And I had a partner recently, he came to meet my parents and we were having a little house party and we were talking in the car afterward. He's like, your family is so different. And this is just <laughs> crazy. And you have this way of communicating that I've never seen before, especially from someone your age. And I've been here many times watching somebody just be blown away. And I'm just like, what's the big deal? You know? <laughs> and that's been so interesting because it's been a lesson. I didn't know at first, like I didn't know that's why I became a coach is I'm like, oh, there's something I have that I've been given as a gift that is extremely valuable and very different. It is. And I have to say, I'm running through the tennis to make sure I don't do anything bad. So no shame, <laughs> no blame is as close as we get. I'm a little jealous. I'm a little jealous <laughs> thinking like, wow, if I was that age and I knew what she knows, like that would have been so cool. But Kenya, I'm interested in your perspective because this seems like the kind of tenant where it just kind of makes sense, especially if you've already bought into the first four, like this one just seals it. How much practice does it take? What patterns have you noticed for people who didn't grow up with this as their language? Sure. If you didn't grow up with, I create my life, I am the center of my universe. I have full power and dominion over what I'm attracting to me. And it's all based on my internal thought, my internal matrix. If I didn't know that, and I'm just learning it at 30 or 40 or 50, yes, it's going to take some time because we have 70,000 thoughts a day. <laughs> so a lot of those thoughts are interconnected thoughts. So if you're in a relationship and you say, oh, this is just a bad match. Oh, this person's not on my level. Oh, this person's not doing the right thing. And you think those thoughts, those have connecting thoughts. There's a network of thoughts that are connected. So it's going to take time to deconstruct that matrix. You are literally going to start building a new matrix based on nobody's doing anything to me. I create my life. How did I create this? You understand? And that does take some time and some practice and some mental gymnastics that are well worth it. You want to do this work because it puts you on the power seat. I mean, Sanu, I'm so glad you're here today, but I feel like to be age 22 and on the throne of your life is a phenomenal and fun and refreshing and energizing. Yeah, and empowered. Yeah, I think that's something that I also have been, and people have been in awe of as well is, yeah, like it's just different. And I guess the conventional upbringing is that you're really not in control. You really don't create your life. Life is really just happening to you. And what that does, I think, is it causes you to take a certain path that maybe you don't want to take authentically to do something that feels safe rather than something that feels authentic or something that feels true to who you really are, right? The fact that I graduated high school and said, look, like I, this is what I want to do. And I know that I can do it. Like I really had full confidence that I could do it. Maybe a little bit was naivete, but I knew whatever I would choose, like, I could do. And I think we do tell kids that you can do whatever you want. You can achieve whatever you want. But we also are giving mixed signals. Yeah, you can achieve whatever you want, but the world is dangerous. You have to be careful, but bad things can happen to you. So it's not really empowering the message. It more feels fake the way that we usually give that message. You can do whatever you want. But no, seeing you and dad literally do whatever you want. 
and make it work and it looks good and it's functional and it's effective. I'm like, oh, okay. I think exposure is extremely important for kids. Like they have to be able to see people who are go-getters, who are creating their lives powerfully, who are really doing it. I think that's why it's important for me, of course, to be exposed to people. My partners are like being exposed to you has changed my perspective. Being around somebody who's like really living it. Like, I can't believe that you have done as much as you've done. And the only way you're really writing one is the fact that you believe you can do all this stuff. <laughs> like, it's important to see people doing that. We don't see enough people doing that. This, it, they're all good words. I create my life. That sounds good. Yeah. But there has to be a belief behind it because otherwise you look around, like you said, and the mixed message is I create my life and I'm stuck in a job I don't like. I'm stuck in a relationship I don't like. I'm stuck in traffic. It, it seems like everybody's stuck. And that mixed message kids really pick up on that. I think right. kids are like, one of their superpowers is picking up on mixed messages. Cause it's like, well, wait, you said that, but then you did that. Well, that mm -hmm. doesn't make sense. Well, the paradigm is so different because we don't encourage the kids or anyone, our clients or anyone to live by faith alone. Oh, have faith in what I'm saying. No, we said, go test it. You know, when Sanu said, I don't want to go to college. I want to do X, Y, and Z. I said, do it, go test it and observe your power and throw yourself into it and then utilize these tools and see what you come back with. By faith alone is sort of the reverse of this paradigm. You have to practice bit by bit. Today, I'm going to create something in my life. If I create my life, then today, <laughs> can I create meeting someone who's going to forward my career? And then you try it. So those were the types of experiential opportunities that are given through trying these tenets. And I, I think that the key word is practice there. This is something that it takes practice because you either need to unlearn a whole bunch of stuff or you need to rewrite. And as you're rewriting, it's like with a computer, like the rewriting is never as quick as it was saving it the first time. So it takes a little while to get over that stuff. Yeah. I think for me, especially that's a good point you bring up about kids, Scott, that they will be looking at for the evidence. They will be looking for you to back up your words through actions. They're really more looking at what you're doing and what you're telling them. I think another good point is yeah, the proof has been really important for me. My younger brother, my older brother, both of them are skeptics, right? Because we're all very logical. So we have to have some proof. I have to have evidence. I think that's why up level is so powerful because I get to see the evidence that I've been creating my life this whole time. I get to see the patterns that I've been living in and didn't even know I was living in. I get to see that every time I get upset at somebody, uh, there's a very real reason why. And the reason starts with me. You know, I think that the past evidence is very important. The present evidence. Mom had me and my siblings start creating our days when we woke up. She showed us that practice from a documentary that we would all watch all the time. And they gave us that instruction, create your day every day and just see what happens if you, before you do anything, when you wake up. Decide what your day is going to look like. Just start small and see the evidence of it unfold in front of you. I remember Sanu in terms of relationships and I create my life. Sanu had a hard time because she's a very beautiful young woman. And the other girls were upset and jealous and so forth in, in middle school. And so high school, she was scared to go. And her relationship, she thought they would never improve. And so I said, well, just create your life. Create seeing a circle of friends. Create seeing big parties at your house what do you want? And she started to work on that practice. And by the time she ended high school, the largest high school parties ever were at Sanu's house. <laughs> and I was like, don't create so much. It's 300 people here. But those types of things are important for youth. But adults can do it too. It's never too late. Sanu and Scott. So I want to get into the nitty gritty here. So we've talked a little bit about the general practice and creating days, but how does this actually play out? Because our audience is thinking like, okay, I create my life, fine. But where do you see that happening when you're dating? How much of that happens like literally with the person versus away from the person? Because maybe you're thinking like, oh, I want to create this. But then when you're with them, how do you communicate that? How does it actually play out? I remember a time I want to start Sanu off, kick her off on a story of her first boyfriend. And it was a very tumultuous relationship, but she wanted to create a scenario with this boy and he was being standoffish, playing video games, not talking to her, doing such and so, da, da, da. And we did a lot of the work, just she and I just talking about it and 
starting to create what she wanted. And by the end, this boy was gone to college and wanted to come home to be with her and just beg to be her partner. But by then she had moved on. But Sanu, do you remember some of the ways that you explained that to him or you created the scenario you wanted out of rubbish? Because what he was giving you at first was rubbish. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was, again, I had to start with processing my emotional reactions to the relationship. I think it really started there with, I would come home crying from, he dropped me off and was being mean or whatever. And I would just come to you and just be crying and I'd be crying alone. And you would support me in processing those emotions. I think that's where it started for me was, this is really not about the relationship. You're experiencing a narrative that's from your past. You're experiencing a narrative from what you've gone through in the past and you're recreating it for yourself right now. So this would be the opportunity for you to go ahead and create something new, right? What you've attracted now is something that you expect to to experience from what you've experienced in the past. Okay, that makes sense. I see that. So how do I change the narrative? And yeah, I think that is when you started to introduce me to uh, especially the feminine power of being a woman and how I can speak certain words and have a certain feeling about the relationship. That if I visualize how I actually want to see this man show up, that'll change my attitude and how I interact with him. And just starting there with, okay, yeah, this is really something that you have to take responsibility and power over and start to make those shifts that you want to make and start to see those things that you want to see internally first, visualize it first. You're not really going to get anywhere by trying to clamor around the manifested reality. It's already been created. Your next step is to say, what do I want next? So I've created this now. What's next for me? Where am I moving to next? And really taking the responsibility to see that and to believe that I can have that. And so the work always became internal. It always became about me. That is so good. And he did, Sanu. Now, did that man and that little boy come back and just go crazy as you started really doing weeks and months of that work? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the transformation that I saw in him over the next like year was insane. And he had too much pride to beg, but he was pretty much on his knees. Like, I just really want to be with you. And at that point, like you said, it was too late, but I did get to understand fully like this is my narrative and I get to shift this narrative and I've never benefited from blaming him. The real power comes when I just take responsibility for it and say, I'm going to go ahead and take the reins and create what I want to create out of this. Right. But most parents would say, stay away from that boy. He's trouble. Oh, he ain't nothing. And then you go through your whole life, like just blaming everybody and being a victim in all your relationships. How is that powerful? I don't get it. A lot of those negative patterns start for women in childhood, right? Because we're dating. Your children are dating. They're in little kitty relationships. And I was in third grade the first time that we started like having boyfriends and girlfriends. So was at nine years old? Your kids are dating. They're curious about it. They want to do it. You're not stopping them by instilling fear in their hearts around relationships. You're really just making everything very screwy for them. But no, the best thing would just to be like, you're responsible for this and just support them in what they're already going to be doing, which is dating and relating, not introducing that fear. Age nine is a little young for some of the concepts we're talking about. And I say that with a nine-year-old daughter (laughs) (laughs) who might be listening. But what stuck out to me is that when you're talking about the feminine power of attraction versus the masculine, when I hear I create my life, I think I'm going to go out and do something. I'm going to build something. And I think the more feminine way that I've heard of is more about the law of attraction and more about being open to what needs to happen. And the way that you're open is that you are safe and that you're in integrity with yourself and that you've done that visualizing, you've done that work. You could have just said, this boy's mean, he's not worthy. But instead of writing him off, you wrote yourself on, I guess, in a way. And then things just fell into place. Does that make sense? Or does that jibe with you? definitely makes sense. I think the most important takeaway is that, again, your current reality is not something you need to be reacting to in terms of you being super emotional and super upset because what you're doing is now you're recreating it every time. You see what you created, you react in a negative way, you say, oh my God, this is terrible. You spiral into that negative emotion in reaction to it. But what I've been taught, I said, look at my reality as evidence for my previous thought patterns. 
now I'm at ground zero. Now I'm at the starting point again. Great. So I've attracted the situation that's seemingly really horrible, (laughs) right? Now I'm at the starting point. So what do I actually want? And what I think the biggest thing about that is, is we do live in a very material, tangible, masculine world. Everything's about the grind. Go out and get it. If you want something, grab your bootstraps and whatever the saying is, right? But no, half of the battle, it starts internally. And that is the feminine part of it, is that you're not going to be motivated to take any physical action in the physical world if you don't feel internally empowered. If you haven't done any meditation or visualization, if you haven't instilled the confidence that you need to to do that work, you might start it, but you're not going to continue. You're not going to finish. And that diminishes the whole process. And it's also, it's very important. This is where your childhood comes into play and where your immersion comes into play because your example that you've been given, I don't know if you've ever done this. If you try to draw a straight line, it's not super difficult, but if you put a dot on the other side of the paper and then you look at the dot and draw a line, it's amazing how straight it will be. And I think we do this naturally that we draw a straight line to what we know. So maybe what we know is divorce. Maybe what we know is people who stick it out and they're just miserable together. Or maybe what we know is that people turn to substances or whatever your example is that you're surrounded by there's a little thing that that you might be saying to yourself like, oh, I don't want to be that. I really don't want to be that. But then you catch yourself as you get to be older, like in my range, then you start to see yourself say things to your kids like, oh God, who said that? Was that my mom? Those aren't my words. Like, how did I say that? Hmm. So it really does matter. I don't think you can underestimate the power of being immersed in this. And so for people who didn't grow up in this, you also mentioned that you are a coach. And so how have you seen this play out in the coaching world? When you're coaching couples, then what typically happens? Is it like one buys in and the other one does? Or like, how does that work? Yeah, I actually mostly work with men, but I also do coach couples. And yeah, what I find with the couples is that anybody I I introduce attendance to, it does take some warming up. There is some skepticism. Oh, really? I create my life. Oh, really? There's no one to blame here. Again, we have a very adverse reaction to hearing things like that because we have pain. We've got trauma. We've got conditionings that strongly oppose that. So yeah, I I do. First of all, the introduction of I create my life is always met with skepticism, but then I prove it to them. Again, I use the tools that I've been certified in. I have to prove it to them. Okay, you don't have to believe me now. And your ego certainly won't believe me right now. Your ego does not agree. Uh, And that's okay. Let me show you why you created your life. Let me show you why this relationship you're currently in, your partner is reflecting your previous relationships and how we can go back to each one and say, this is the exact same trait, the exact same narrative playing out. I'm having the exact same triggers triggered by the exact same things. We can go back to the first time you ever had that experience like that and see that you've been recreating it over and over again. Again, the proof is in the pudding. So once once I prove it to them, they're like, oh, uh, I see. Again, not walking on faith. You got to show them. <laughs> this is not some material. Oh, the world is yours and you can do whatever. That's not tangible enough. People can't get down with something that you're trying to impress upon them with just faith. No, I'm going to prove it to you. I'm a scientist. Let me prove to you that you create your life. And even those who don't believe in metaphysics, I say, okay, that's fine. We can talk in the language of science. We can talk about your neuronet. We can talk about the fact that you've been having the same synapses connected for years, that you've been associating love with fear or polyamory or your partner having other partners with abandonment, that your dad left your mom for another woman when you were five. And that's why you're afraid of your partner having other partners. We can go back and look at the neuro connectivity of that. If you don't believe in metaphysics, fine. We don't got to talk about ethereal stuff and the magical hoo-ha stuff. We can talk about whatever they need to hear so they understand that you're responsible. (laughs) And the problem is that people have talked about it. Yeah. I think people mistake talk for work or progress. Oh, that thing with my dad where he ran off. Yeah, no, we talked about that. Oh, you (laughs) talked about it. Okay. That's like talking about a car accident and expecting that your car is going to get fixed. Like, no, it's not the talking part. That's the key there. You got to get an estimate, bring it into the shop. Let's take a closer look because there's a lot of scratches and dents here. I think that's one mistake that we make in this culture is thinking that talking equals any kind of progress or anything positive. I love talking to death, but (laughs) when it comes to the actual work, it seems like 
We haven't really gotten into the patterns, proclivities, and potentials. So that's a little advanced, but I think people can understand the concept of there are patterns. You get triggered. Your partner says something, your date says something, your kids say something. You get triggered by things and the, the reaction doesn't quite match the stimulus. And so we're talking science here. If you see a stimulus and the response doesn't match that, then there's some other power going on and it's because you create your life. That's what's going on. And until you grab a hold of that and say, I'm going to change the triggers, I'm going to rewrite the triggers, then that's going to be the pattern. Right. right. Most people just say, let's put up some boundaries and then we won't have to deal with trig being triggered. <laughs> boundary being so funny. The, I imagine it as an image that you're, you're like almost isolating yourself. Like you're in this almost like pillow fort of your creation, you're fortifying yourself from life experience. Oh, I have all these boundaries and oh, stay away from me. Don't do that. Don't, you know, that we're trying to fortify ourselves. But the insanity of it all is that there's no escape from your own mind. There's no escape from the things that trigger you because they're within you. You could fly to Mars and be alone on Mars and just be isolated from all human beings. And you'd still have the same triggers. You'd still have the same problems. So it's so fascinating, the boundary argument, you know what I'm saying? As a reaction to negative, quote unquote, realities that you're dealing with. Well, I think we need a children's book on, on progressive love tenants, Scott. What do you think, Sanu? Come on. <laughs> I'm ready. I love the pillow fort analogy because anybody who's ever made a pillow fort knows just how flimsy it takes like one fat cat and the whole thing's coming down. Exactly. That it's too easy to, oh, you broke my boundary and now I don't trust you. And then we get into, oh, there's proof again that this is my reality. There's proof again that people are out to get me. There's proof again that I'm not safe in the world. And then of course you attract it again and rinse and repeat. And people stay in these patterns their entire lives. Yeah, life can be tenuous, but it's interesting how you describe life says a lot about you. You could say life is a dance, life is a battle, life is a game, and I think attitude matters. How do you get people into, I create my life? We've said people need to practice, work on it, see evidence, but what's usually the first step that's something that sort of sets them on the right path? Can you, what's, do you have a secret move that you do that here's how we get you on the path to understanding what this is? Sure. I simply explain and start to separate ego, animal, and higher self. When they hear their inner voice, they don't know which voice it is. And once they get that first aha and start pulling those three apart, then you can get them into the tenets. Because before that, they just don't know who's responding to the tenant. Who's questioning the tenant. What part of you doesn't like the fact that you create your life? You know, the first question people always ask me when I say you create your life, everybody's creating their life. I didn't create molestation. I didn't create rape. And I'm like, okay, so who's responding? So we start getting into those three first, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. So Sanu, I, I want to hear some more examples. If you can think of any, what are some where you put, I create my life into practice, something where you're dating or you're in a long-term relationship, what's something where you can picture that I create my life and then something changed? I actually had a really interesting moment a while back, just moved to Houston and just met a new partner and he came over on Christmas day to see me because he I guess, wanted a break from his family. And he came over, he was hanging out for a couple hours. He was spaced out. He wasn't really there. He was tired or maybe he was his mind was elsewhere and that was starting to trigger me I'm like okay you come in my space and you just zone out then roughly after a couple hours he just said he had to go he walked out that was extremely triggering for me that was really upsetting and in that moment I had to really understand this is the, a moment of creation meaning I'm experiencing a scenario right now my brain is having a reaction right now like mom said you have to separate yourself from yourself you've got to be an observer of these things instead of being so immersed in it that you think this is me this is really what's happening no I separated myself from it I said okay so my ego is saying that he's horrible and I should never let him in my house again. My higher self is sitting here and we're just looking and saying, oh, okay, interesting. What can this teach me? And my animal wants to chase him out the door and be like, what's wrong with you? Why did you do? So I'm observing everything and saying, okay, interesting. Then I sit with myself. I may call somebody and air that whole thing out, get it all out of my system. I sit with myself and I say, what's really happening here? What's really the pattern here? And by now I know exactly what my stuff is my expectations are. I know exactly what precedent I'm creating through. 
And I can say, yeah, this is, I know exactly what this experience is and why I created it. And there's many things you can say about that. The main thing I say is what's the growth for me? And the growth for me is being okay. I created this experience of me being upset and somebody coming and withdrawing their energy very quickly because I'm learning and I really want to be okay with somebody no matter where they're at. If that's where the person's at, I would like to be okay with that. That's what I desire. That's the objective that I put out for myself. That's the goal that I'm trying to meet right now. And so my brain is intelligent and as brilliant as it is, is going to show me opportunities. It's going to show me times where you're not okay. This is the time right now where you are extremely upset, extremely triggered. This is an opportunity right now for you to create something new. We're in the thick of it right now. And that's how I've started looking at these scenarios in my relationships is this is the opportunity right now that's when you go into that feminine you go into that meditation you go into that visualization you go into that what do I want how do I want to respond in moments like this that are happening right now that's the importance I believe of separating yourself so you can see how you're creating things in the moment so you don't have to come down from this hawk like moment and be like oh if only I had no in the moment of heat I'm going to understand exactly what's happening with me. I'm going to understand exactly why my brain is doing this. I'm going to understand exactly why I created this scenario for myself. Ooh, how did that play out? Did he come back? What did you call? Did you cuss him out? What happened? (laughs) (laughs) From what I gauged from the experience, I don't think he was really in the mood for me to be like bickering at him. He was exhausted. This is a partner who's just not getting enough sleep and things like that. He's a doctor, so he's not getting enough sleep. So I called somebody else and I I vented to them about it. I was like, I can't believe like this guy just came over and he just left. I'm so upset. Once my ego was calmed down, because you know, when you're in that ego mode, there's really no intelligence. Your IQ goes down significantly when you're upset once I was out of that mode then I was like okay all right great we're done but yes the dealing with the emotion now is something that I just do immediately and I've just learned from experience it's so much better to just let the emotion out as soon as you can it's too heavy and I think I'm like how was I ever just sitting with this how was I ever just like fermenting in my own anger and not doing anything about it how was I ever allowing myself to be in this mode of being angry? Because it's easy. That's what people do. It's very easy. And I think there's a little voice when you were talking, it made me think of the movie Inside Out. Like basically you've got three different people saying three different things, three different parts. And then seeing the opportunity is, that's the gold essentially. Because most people see an opportunity but it's an opportunity to be a jerk. Oh, I feel justified in being a jerk back to this person. So the animal's going to come out and the emotion's going to come out or it's misdirected. It gets stored up so that it can come out at the wrong person at the wrong time. And having the wherewithal and the faculties to be able to come up with this and go, okay, this is an opportunity. First, I need to vent. Let's get rid of the charge of this so that it doesn't get misdirected. And then second, I'm going to go into my flow state and figure this stuff out because this isn't about this person. This person clearly is just a tired doctor who needs to get away from his family on Christmas. This isn't about him. What am I creating where this person basically copped out? They like showed up, but they weren't really there. Well, that's so good. I'm so proud of you, Sanu. I say that's how Progressive Love Academy trains the best humans on the planet is because like, where do you get that kind of training? It's a whole step-by-step procedure and a framework. I'm so proud. I love that. And I know he was shocked to hear from you later when you were totally calm. He's been absolutely blown away by the relationship. He's been like, this is so healthy. This is what I prayed for because he created me. I know anybody who attracts me as their life is looking for some substantial growth and raising of their consciousness. But I think one thing, Scott, when you said it's easy to be in anger, I think a better way to, to phrase it, it would be it's addictive. People are very addicted to these states of being. You're hooked on it. Oh, yeah, I'm upset again. Especially when you're younger, you've ever been upset and you wanted to stay upset. Like you were like, I don't want, I don't want to feel better. I don't want anybody to help me. No, I just want to be, I want to be angry. You're addicted to it. You can't stop it. You don't want to stop it. You don't want to go and do the work and sit down and hold your heart and listen to yourself. You don't want to vent and be soothed and feel better. You're hooked on this emotion. One thing about that, I want to say, I keep jumping in because 
when we say addiction, it's a chemical addiction. The hypothalamus produces a matching chemical to all of your emotions. So when you're having anger, the hypothalamus is producing and flooding your system with the hormone that matches anger. And so you get addicted to that hormone, period. Right. And then it's just easier. I always think of it like dirty snow. That's my expression is dirty snow. When you look out and it's a beautiful, I don't know if you get snow in Houston, but if I look out here in upstate New York and I see a beautiful snow covered thing, it's, oh, it's a winter wonderland. And then some truck comes by and splashes dirt on. I'm like, ah, now it's dirty. Like you can't undirty the snow. So once the snow has been dirtied, oh, I yelled at my kids and now I feel pretty justified in yelling again. It's going to be easier next time because I've already sort of done that. And unfortunately, this happens a lot in relationships, really in anything where you feel justified, you have that chemical thing going on, and then there's a disconnect between your emotional accountability. And it's like, oh, I'm not creating this. That person did this. But any parent who's listening to this knows they've said something like, if you do this one more time, then these are the consequences. Every parent who has said that knows that the person, the kid is about to do it one more time. <laughs> and so it's really just a way of saying, I really want to punish you. And so let's wait 10 seconds because that's about to happen. They might as well just say that. Right. But I think we do that in relationships all the time where we yeah. just sort of pre-justify like, well, this person's going to, and if you really have that integrity and the accountability, and you're able to take a step back, like you were saying, Sanu, and really like visualize like, all right, what's going on? What am I doing? What do I actually want to have happen here? Yeah. Because the beauty of this whole system, because when I first heard these tenets, I thought, shouldn't I create my life be like the first thing we talk about? And no, it shouldn't. Because now I have these other things in my quiver. I have Oh, no shame, no blame. Well, I'm not going to blame myself. I'm not going to get upset with myself. And how can I be present and accountable and say that I create my life? Because there's no going back. If you don't have the other tenets, then you basically just have a bunch of excuses of how to get around it. Because we're also programmed to try to get around rules and figure out how does this not apply to me? The brain is so powerful, man. I was going to say in terms of the where the creation is and that is my perception of the experience like how why did I perceive it that particular way that he did not come with the intention of mischievously abandoning me so I would feel abandoned why did I perceive it that way and what's so crazy is the brain will find evidence it will acutely find evidence it will create evidence if it needs to of something that you believe is happening around you something that you expect in your reality when I was sick and this partner he was texting me offering to come over. But for some reason, what I perceived him saying was, I don't want to come because you might get me sick and this is too risky. And because I just really believe that there's no way somebody would want to come and nurse me back to health. So I perceived him as saying, oh, I think you're too sick and got really upset because I'm like, you got me sick in the first place. I had to go back and read the messages to realize like he's saying the complete opposite. He's saying, look, I don't care if you're sick. I love you so much. I'll just come and just be there with you. We'll just deal with it together. And I had to send him a voice memo saying like, look, I'm so sorry. Let me take accountability because I really was sitting here thinking for like 30 minutes that you're saying you're too sick. I don't want to be around you. And you're saying the complete opposite. But I was so adamant about the fact that there's no way I could have this reality that I just decided that I'm going to ignore. Literally, I'm not going to proceed the evidence of anything else besides what I expect. Does that make sense? The brain is a, a funny, messed up thing. There are times where I literally, like you said, I'll read a text and I'll read exactly the opposite. Or I remember being in, in situations where the person I was with took the exact opposite meaning. My wife had been working like, whatever, six, eight, 10 days in a row, typical. And she misses the kids when she works. And so uh, she came into the room. And my recollection of what happened is I just said something like, okay, I'll be in the other part of the house. And so to me, I thought I was being respectful. Like you haven't been with the kids, you missed them. To her, she was like, where the hell are you going? You're abandoning me. And so her abandonment triggers were up. My disappointment triggers were up. There's all this stuff that was up. Hmm. And all that happened was I walked out of a room and so yeah. that's that was something where I went back and said, okay, let me take accountability for this. I should have said, 
what would support you right now? Do you feel more like you want me to be around? And I didn't say that. And so I didn't come at her with, well, you didn't say this. I just said, listen, this is what I did. This is what I could have said. And next time we know. And so it's a very different feeling when you take that step up. I can't control how she's going to react, but I can control what I say. And now based on that history, I know what to do next time. Ooh, Scott, your leadership is kicking up. Ooh, that's <laughs> sexy. <laughs> right. Yeah, that ownership is powerful. Yeah. Um, I actually had another good one. I was just in Hawaii visiting the wife and kids for the holidays. And I showed up, let's see, on the 18th. On the 19th, I tested positive. There were crazy, I don't think there were technically hurricane winds, but there were the loudest, strongest winds I've ever been in. Knocked out power for three days. And again, Lisa was working so much in a row and she's working in a hospital. So she was like, I'm not coming back there. I can't get sick. I can't afford to get sick and not be working. And so I'm in a situation where I'm supposed to be like on vacation, having fun with the kids. Instead, I'm there with COVID with no power taking care of three kids, like walking around fully masked. I had socks on my hands. Like it was ridiculous. It would have been fine to just try to figure out like, how do I take care of three kids? But then you add the COVID and the no power. And honestly, like if it wasn't for this stuff, I would have been like, I'm just a victim. Oh, I want to call somebody so that they can say, poor you. And I didn't do that because I'm not a victim. And I thought, okay, there's an opportunity somewhere. What was it? When I came here, I was thinking I was just going to fix a bunch of stuff and do a bunch of stuff. This is the universe's way of saying, slow down and appreciate your kids. And so that's what I did. We had some good times. We had some bad times, but all in all, it was much better. And it's because I was able to, like you said, take a step back and go, what's the growth here? What's the opportunity? And how can I lean into this rather than just leaning away from it and feeling sorry for myself? Absolutely. I think some folks would even say, oh, well, Scott, I mean, you really were a victim. That's terrible what happened to you. And you really have to understand why we're choosing to find the growth in scenarios. What about the bad stuff? I get to choose how, what I do with this reality. I get to choose how I react to it. I get to choose to feel how I want to feel about this, right? There's nothing more important than that in this moment. I choose to feel good. I choose to find the growth in this. Yeah, you can sit and find the negative and my wife left and I have COVID. This is terrible. I'm a victim. And you can have people come and set boundaries to reinforce your narrative. But why would you want to be so adamant about something that you don't even want for yourself in the first place? People would say because it's easier. Shit. And one reason why it's easier, this comes full circle, because what was our very first episode? The language of war. Yeah. And language helps us to do that. What's something that everybody said? You made me mad. Mm -hmm. I've been correcting my kids lately. No, you made yourself mad. I might have helped. I might have helped a lot. <laughs> but you are the one in your body that made yourself mad on some level. So accept that. And it's tough because they're kids. They don't quite get what this is. They're trying to pick up on it, but they can't get some of these abstract concepts. So I think we do need to put this into kid form. So yeah. the kids from a younger age can start getting these concepts and getting how they create their own realities. But listen, for all the adults out there listening, just realize every time you say like, she made me this, or he made me that. No. Start taking accountability and start saying, oh, I created this. How did I create this? And start asking questions. Are there specific questions that you would ask yourself to center yourself? Or how do you get into that space? Anu? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Again, I think the why did I create this is very important to me. And always reflecting it back to how can this experience support me and my objectives? I've been doing a lot of work with my current relationship to really heal some stuff that happened in my last relationship, right? I always ask, like, why would I create this? What can this teach me? What is the growth in this? What is the lesson in this? How do I want to feel? What do I want instead? And just starting to parallel those two realities, really just asking, examining questions, right? Really being your own analyzer. Again, I'm a scientist. I want to analyze all of this. What's really here for me? When did I first feel this way? I just go deep into it, unlocking questions. I like it. And a lot of what you said sounds like it's reactive, but I know you also said it's important to be proactive. 
And so you could even go into a new relationship saying, okay, what is it that I want out of this relationship? And put that dot out there to draw a line to. What's something that I want to get out of this? What's something that I want to learn that I want to prove on from last time? and really put it out there. Because I think people sort of assume, I just wrote off this person, I just canceled them out of my life and unfollowed, unfriended and all that, and I'm good. And that's not how it works. You're bringing that stuff with you. Yeah, I never, I always tell Sanu, don't file anyone away as a disappointment because then you have to experience it all over again, but bigger. Look, the children's book is coming out, Progressive Love Tenants for Kids. We've decided that in this episode. I'm so proud of you, Sanu. I'm so happy. And I don't know anybody who wouldn't want their 22-year-old to be able to have this kind of discussion. And so thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes, of course. Thank you for having me, y'all. This has been really fun being in a container like this where everyone's like tossing this progressive ball around. Kenya, I have to say, I am thoroughly impressed by Sanu. I don't recall having that degree of depth and maturity when I was her age. She definitely must have amazing parents. Oh, I think she does. And this is an amazing world as a test drive for a spirit like that. She's ready for this. And I really enjoyed listening to her because some of the things she said, I didn't know that she thought that and she picked that up and that she appreciates it the way she does. I'm impressed myself. Well, it's next generation. It's like you you set up something and you might have ideas about what this is, but the next generation has a way of sort of taking it and running with it in a direction you might not have seen. So good. And I'm so glad she's coaching young people, especially men, because she's a very attractive young lady. So the men might be lured in by this, her feminine wiles, but guess what they're going to get? What you just heard, baby. <laughs> <laughs> So I, one of the things when she was talking that sort of struck me in general about I Create My Life is that I'm wondering for folks in our audience who might be familiar with The Secret, how would you say that this is similar or different to The Secret? Well, I think it's similar to The Secret in that they're talking about law of attraction. But here at PLA, we have nine universal laws and we utilize all of those in the five tenets that we've discussed here on air. And I think we just go a little bit further than the secret. It's not just about hoping or wishing or writing a note to the universe. It is about shifting your mentality and becoming a living creator on this planet. And so that takes more steps than just the one step law of attraction. I guess that begets the next question, which is how do you compare creation versus manifestation? I know a lot of people are into human design. I actually haven't done the quiz yet, but I know there's some manifestors out there in the audience. How do you compare those two terms? Yeah, it just feels like manifestation is something that you do to get something. Whereas creation is a way that you live to always be able to, at any time, position yourself into your seat of power. So yes, if I want to manifest a new job or manifest a house, that's one thing. But if I want to create my life, That means I'm creating my relationships. I'm creating my disposition. I'm creating my own healing. I'm creating everything that I experience and I'm taking responsibility for every single thing I experience. That's interesting. It sounds in that sense, I think of creation is like that you're the producer and director of your own movie. And the cast and crew. (laughs) Yeah. It's a one person show. But it's very different, the producer versus the director with their role. And it's interesting because you're basically writing it, acting it, producing it, directing it, which there aren't a lot of people who are good at all of those things. And yet all of us are doing that. The funny thing I used to have my kids do is say, imagine this person doesn't exist because they don't. Nothing exists except your mind and perception of what's going on around you. And they would say, oh, if they didn't exist, then this and that. All right, go that direction because you create your life. You're creating their behaviors. You're creating your perception of their behaviors is the creation of their behaviors. I just love it. You, How deep down the rabbit hole do we go in this season one? Oh my God. I've heard that before. There was something about... Um... And maybe you know what this is referring to. It just popped up. It's like when you think something like that, you think, what if that weren't true? Mm -hmm. Or you think, is that there were like four questions. It was like, is that true? 
Could it not be true? What if the opposite were true? And so you basically in doing those sorts of questions, or what if that person didn't exist? You know, we throw our power and charge out instead of sort of pulling it in and thinking like, I have the charge, I have the power. So how do I want it to go? So good. Everything here at Progressive Love Academy is about not othering and staying focused in the self. And I just love what Sanu shared. Next season, though, oh my gosh, where do we go from here, Scott? Next season, we're going to be welcoming more guests onto the show, but the guests we're going to be doing actual sessions. So we'll delve into up-level venting. I know that's a big one that people love to talk about and hear about. So there's plenty to talk about when it comes to the procedure, the mechanics, and the elegance of venting. And we're going to be doing that by sharing live examples of what it is and how it can change the way you communicate in all your relationships. How are we going to get these volunteers? I'm looking for them. Where are they at? Well, I'm glad you asked because if you in our listening audience would like to come on the show and participate in a venting session, go to thebenefitislove.com to apply. Wonderful. I'm so excited. Yeah. So Kenya, I have to ask for people who are listening and wondering, should I go on the show? How do people know if they're good candidates to be on the show? What do you think would make for a good person to be on the show or a good couple? Someone who I asked this question on Facebook the other day, what did your partner do wrong that made your relationship end? Or who is blaming or shaming their partner who constantly feels like the bad guy or the victim in their relationships, somebody who wants their relationship to work out, but it's just not working. They're arguing all the time. People who are having these types of challenges, that's what we do here. We're the best in the world. We can stop it instantly. I would think you're a good candidate if you keep repeating the same arguments and discussions, if you feel unheard or like you're not able to hear your partner. And really just in general, if you just feel stuck, if you feel like you're stuck in a rut, And so I think venting would be the first step in recognizing and releasing that energy of the triggers that are going on there. And now that we've got a stronger understanding of and appreciation of the Progressive Love Academy tenets, we can progress into up-level vents. I'm so glad you expanded that, honey, because I'm just so ready. I'm like, come on in here. (laughs) Everybody, let's go. I'm Muhammad Ali of Love Coaching. Let's go. So again, the the podcast's dedicated webpage is thebenefitislove.com. So go there, sign up. And if you haven't already listened to the rest of the episodes from season one, now's your chance. Go back, listen, and make sure you're all caught up and you are ready for season two. Yes, that's a prerequisite. Don't apply to be on my show if you haven't heard season one, baby, because then you won't be ready. (laughs) And I, I think another thing, since it's just after New Year's, One of the things we had talked about uh, resolutions, and I realized this year I was on another call and it popped into my mind. Why don't we do, instead of resolutions this year, let's do gratitudes. Let's say instead of making promises or feeling obligated or whatever about what's about to happen, why don't we look back at the year and say, I'm grateful for these three things or five things or 10 things or whatever. I'm certainly grateful that you and I connected and that I received the certification and that we started the podcast. That's an obvious one. But what's going on with you? What are you grateful for? I'm so grateful that everyone here can watch us on TLC starting in March of 2023. Baby, we have been working to share this message on a broader platform for the past 12 years, literally under contracts. And now it's finally arrived. Our show, Seeking Brother Husbands, that's live on TLC starting in March. I'm most grateful for that. I'm always grateful for my family. You heard my daughter, my sons, my husbands, all of my community. And for you, Scott, because without you, I would not have this podcast because I don't know anything about this. You're very welcome. And uh, I think one of the other aspects of gratitudes, I always think of my friend Vicky when I say this is when I'm grateful, I don't just say I'm grateful, but I say two things. One is thank you, may I have another? Or some other people say more, please. And I think a very powerful thing, I was actually talking with my wife, Lisa, the other day, and she reminded me that there's a very powerful saying that's very simple. And it literally is just, I did that. It's nice to hear you say like, oh, the podcast, that's great. But I would say it like this. I would say, I co-created a podcast with Kenya. I did that. 
And then so after each thing that you're proud of or that you're grateful for, pick like your top three or five, just say, I did that. And it really reinforces it. And it's such, it's three simple words, but it really is a powerful device. Honey, we did that. I'm so happy. Thank you so much. And we will see everybody next season. And until then, remember, the purpose is growth. The benefit is love. Kenya K. Stevens is the co-author of the books Uplevel Communication and The Nine Expressions of Love, both of which you can find in print and online. Scott Tharler's articles and other podcast appearances are listed in his Linktree page, which you'll find linked to in the show notes. Speaking of which, The Benefit of Love is available for your listening pleasure on Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Spotify, and other platforms. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow the show and share it with anyone who you'd like to see have better, more peaceful and fulfilling relationships. Benefit is Love is co-executive produced by Scott Tharler and Kenya Stevens, with original music by DJ D. Spence. Thanks to this episode's very special guest, Sanu Stevens. This podcast, copyrighted 2023, is the intellectual property of Progressive Love Academy. All rights reserved.